You look good. Thanks for coming. Good, good to have you. Good to see you. Hi, everybody online. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Summer is here. Hot one, I guess, today. I'm loving it. Are, are you loving it? Hey, January's coming, so get out there. <laughs> get out there and uh, enjoy it. Man, we have such great weather and four seasons and that whole thing, so get out there. I've had so much fun. We had a bunch of our, uh, all of our kids, actually, except our youngest daughter, Brookie, come out over these last few weeks, and so I've had some time away and, and had so much fun, and our, we have six grandkids, and Hudson wanted to pray over one of the meals. He's three. And so we had grilled out, and, and he, so he starts by saying, Jesus, you know, thank you for Pops, that's me. Thank you for Mimi, that's my wife Bonnie. And then he, he went around the circle, you know, with his eye open saying, thank you for Erica, thank you for, thank you for everybody. But at the very end, he said, and Jesus, thank you that you don't have that crown of thorns on your head anymore. <laughs> I just thought, what? That's kind of random, isn't it? You know, it's kind of random. And I, I got to tell you, man, I've been thinking about that a lot and just kind of basking in this idea that we get to be sons and daughters. And he doesn't have that crown of thorns on his head anymore. And I don't, I don't want to just come to church and go through songs and do a sermon. I want us to just pause and say, God, thank you that we have this kind of a life because of what you have given us. Even though our lives are not perfect. How many of you would say, well, don't raise your hand. Um, we're talking about fire today. This whole series has to do with the nature of God and the elements and, and, and some of those things in him that he uses in nature that reveal who he is. And in some cases, who he isn't. Fire is used on both sides of the spectrum in a, in a good and not so good way. We were uh, camping up at Michigan Lake. It's between Gould and Walden there. It's a really great place. And we decided to take a hike, and we went up on Montgomery Pass. If you've ever been there, it's a beautiful trail that goes all the way to the top. And when we got to the top, this was a couple years ago, we had noticed there was smoke in the air, and we could smell it. We couldn't see that there was a fire. Matter of fact, I turned when we got to the top, and I took a picture with my phone. That is, that's a picture that I took, and it was just, it wasn't real big at the moment. It was putting out a lot of smoke, but we thought, man, I don't know. Is that coming our way? It was kind of blowing east, and we decided to, to head on down and weren't sure about this fire. That that fire was, this was August 13th, a couple years ago. That, that started right there, and that became the Cameron Peak Fire. We were there. Had I known what it would become, I would have put it out. <laughs> I would have tried. I didn't know when I took this picture that that fire would cause... Bonnie and I to evacuate our house three times up in Livermore. I had no idea that would make it all the way through Estes Park down to Loveland, practically. That was the biggest fire in Colorado history. And it started with just a little thing like that. 
You never know what fire can do. It's, it's unpredictable. And some people tell you, well, it, it purges. It, it cleans up all the dead timber in the, in the forest, which is true. That's true. And overall, it's a good thing. But if you lose your house, you don't feel too good about it. And people lost their homes in this fire. So, so today, we're going to talk about It's going to be a yo-yo ride. It's going to be this, this kind of thing where where does fire fit in with the plan of God. Scripture has tons of references to fire. Things like judgment. In number 16, there's this story of these people who were complaining. That's all they were doing. They were complaining about food and environment, and God sent a fire to consume them. Do not complain to God. In Luke 9, James and John were upset at some people who they didn't believe had it right because they didn't, and so they say to Jesus, um, send fire down from heaven to, to burn them up. <laughs> In other words, bring judgment on those people. We see fire represented like with power. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist makes this statement, you know, I baptize you in water, but the one that comes after me, meaning Jesus, will baptize you, the Holy Spirit, and with fire. What is that? What does that mean? Uh, the prophet says, there's fire in my bones, meaning passion, the, the power of truth. In Acts 2, we see tongues of fire, the, the purifying. We see the refining. We see scriptures, and we're going to look at some of these, that talk about the refining of our lives by fire, which is what? Trials, tribulations, struggles, hardships. So I have three things that I think happen with fire that we can learn from. Number one is fire captures our attention. So that's what happened to us when I showed you that picture a while ago. It captured my attention. I saw it, didn't know what it was. It hadn't been named. It had just started probably an hour before that picture. And in Exodus chapter 3, there's a familiar story about a guy named Moses. Moses was living out in the desert. He was a shepherd he had had problems in his youth. He had a temper problem. He killed this guy, this Egyptian. And so he basically is in exile. He's like, I'm, I'm done with public life. And Jethro, his father-in-law, is a shepherd of probably hundreds and thousands of sheep. And, and so he's out in the desert. And I pick it up. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness. And he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing, what? Fire from the middle of a bush. Moses, he stared with amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Now, no doubt he's seen many fires in the desert, little bush fires, but not like this one. This one was different. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming, to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. That's significant when God says someone's name twice. There's several times this happens in Scripture, and it's just basically an emphasis that God is about to, to give us very special um, anointing or commission. Mary, Mary, you're about to have a son. So this is a big deal. And he says, Moses, Moses, and it's this idea that God is really wanting to get his, his attention. 
Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Fire got his attention and took him to a place he would not have gone. The rest of the story, if you don't know it, is that God would say, I want to use you, Moses, to go to the Pharaoh to get the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. Moses says, no. <laughs> Ask my brother. I can't do it. I, I st st stutter. And, and God says, no, it's you that I want to use. Yeah, but you don't know. I have a history. I have pain. I killed a guy. I'm, I'm running. If they see me, they find me. I'm in trouble. That's been years ago. I'm, I'm good now. You get someone else. God says, no, this is, this is a mantle I'm putting on you. See, here's the deal. What does it take for God to put you to a place you wouldn't ordinarily go? Think about that. Well, I'm, I'm not really qualified for that. Well, well, that's not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, let's build a bigger barn for your wheelhouse. God sees things in you and sometimes puts an opportunity out there. And that fire got Moses' attention and he was drawn to it. And if you look carefully at this text, it says he went to a different place than what he was going to. He went to see it. Curiosity got him. Be careful what you pray. Be careful when you say, Lord, I'm yours. Spend me however you want. God just might. And he might take you to some places you would never have gone. He sees something he's never seen. He's curious. He goes there. God calls him by name. Boom. The rest is history. We sang about Moses today in a song. He's, he's one of the greats. And even though he had messed up, God uses him. Is it possible that I am so stuck in a routine that I need a fire in my life to pull me off of my routine to see something God wants me to do? Just think about that question a little bit. Am I getting up in the morning with a willingness to say, I'll go see that thing? Or am I kind of stuck? Just let that sink in. Number two in your outline, fire is powerful. Not only does it get our attention, but it has power in it. How many of you have ever burned yourself? Man, I have, I have many memories of, I was kind of a motorcycle guy, and all my motorcycles growing up were dirt bikes. And they always broke down. <laughs> this was this was you know the day when they would get really hot and the the rings would blow out or something would happen. And I remember taking them to the garage and I, they didn't have kickstands these dirt bikes. So I put them on this five gallon bucket upside down and they would still be really hot. And I would think to myself, oh, I can still get in there. I just won't touch that muffler. Man, and your skin would just boil up instantly and it would hurt for days. Days. That's when I knew I never wanted to die by fire. We have this crazy story in Daniel 3 where a king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, and he uses fire to show his power. He builds this huge idol, like 90 feet tall. You can read all about this in Daniel chapter 3. And he declares, you know, bring everyone in. And when the musicians play all these instruments, everyone's going to bow down and worship this idol. But there were three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that said, can't do it. We know you're powerful. And the king says, well, 
if you don't bow down, you're going to die. And I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. That's what it's called. I grew up in church, so I can still see the flannel graph. And it was a furnace with yellow flames of fire. And I remember thinking as a kid, I don't want to ever have to go in there. They were brave. I think about what they said to the king. I'm going to pick it up in Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you if we are thrown into the blazing furnace. The God whom we serve, I love these two words, is able. Say it with me. Is able. This God is able. They don't say he will. They don't say he has to. They simply say he is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. There's respect there. But even if he doesn't, think about this. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. And they meant it, and they didn't, and they didn't bow. And he gave them another chance, and he heated it up seven times hotter, and he gave them a chance, and they didn't bow, and they were thrown in the furnace. Wow. Not the way you want the story to end. I want God to deliver me from the furnace. I don't want to go in there. Well, I know they weren't burnt. The Bible says not even a hair was singed. But you imagine the terror of being thrown into that furnace? How many of you would just as soon God show up and take you away from the furnace so you don't have to even have that fear? See, that's what I would pray for. But sometimes God uses situations in our lives to display his power, stay with me, over the power that's on the earth. But I'm King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the hottest fire ever made in the history of man, and you're going in it. I know, but God is able. See, some of you right now, you might be facing that impossibility. There is no way humanly possible. Great. God is able. <laughs> God is able. And if you can remember that going through hardship, you can understand this conflict of power. Number three, fire is used for refining. It gets our attention. It's used for power, and it's used for refining. This is where I want to spend the most time talking with you this morning. Now, I'm not saying I like this point. I'm saying it's, it's a tough one. I, don't, I, don't, I wish there was another way, kind of like, let me just read it. First Peter chapter 1. So, be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The refining process involves trials. Do you like that? 
I don't. I remember as a kid, I was probably 13, when a Sunday school teacher said in our class, he was, I think he was talking about the book of James, when it talks about, you know, patience comes by trials. And I remember thinking, I'm never praying for patience. Because God doesn't just give you a zap of patience, like, you've got patience now. You have, to, you have to grow into that patience by going through stuff where you learn how to be patient. No, thank you. I'd rather be irritated most of the time. Because <laughs> trials irritate me. What's the difference, right? How many of you, like, like well, I don't know what your answer was on the grill. I heard chicken. I heard steak. I, 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 I like all that stuff. Um, hot dogs? Anyone have hot dogs on there? Yeah. But when you're done grilling, how many of you turn the grill up high and shut the lid for a few minutes? So do I, okay? Why do we do that? It burns off all the goopy sauce that you put on everything, right? It gets so hot that instead of just making a mess on the grid in there, it'll just burn it all. It just chars it all. And then all you have to do is take the wire brush and go like that, and it's clean for the next time. But boy, if you don't do that, it becomes a mess. And that barbecue sauce gets thick and it's gross. Why? Fire. Fire purifies and cleans all that mess up. That's what it does in our lives. And so I have, I have some practical things that I want to get into and talk about how this happens in our lives. And, and, and these are the ways that we are refined by fire. Now I'm going to ask you right here and right now to be really open to these next three things because some of these are going to challenge you in different areas and we're all in different places and I get that but this is going to hit you it, it hits me it's real it's where we live and these are the ways that I am refined and I think number one is probably the greatest and biggest way I'm refined and that is through our relationships relationships probably matter more to God than anything else in your life Right? Would you agree with that? That's a big statement. But relationships can, man, it's tough. I've, I've been refined through relationships. I, I have learned to really fully love unconditionally through relationships in my life. Anyone else can say that? I, I really have. I've learned how, now, this, I don't want to surprise you too bad here, but I've learned that I would have the capacity through certain relationships that have happened in my life to hate. Say, you don't hate. No, I could hate. You mess with my family. You lie about things. It, it, I, I can honestly tell you I don't hate anybody right now. I, I honestly don't. God, God helps us work through that. But I have walked to the line where I really despise, I've really despised people, certain people because of the pain in my own life. It's a test. It's trial by fire. It's Northrop. I'm working in you because this is ugly. And I need to refine this in you. And God doesn't cause these people to be mean. They just are. But God wants me to trust him when I have a really bad relationship with someone. I've learned jealousy through relationships. I've learned sorrow. I've learned disappointment and grief. Isn't that sad? 
I'm so glad none of you have ever faced any of these things. <laughs> we all have all of these things. I've also learned the greatest joy and fulfillment in the relationships that I have that feed my life and they give so much back to me. I don't know what I would do without them. So it's just this, it's just this big ball of relationships. And then I started thinking about what means more to God than anything else? Our relationship. If you're angry at God, He understands, but He wants to be in relationship with you. So much so that He didn't really decide to send an email. He sent His Son. Why? Relationship. Go to earth, become a man, be born of a virgin, and live your life down here for a while. Feel what it feels like. Go through the pain. Go through the suffering. Die on a cross for their sin. Wow. God really wants relationship with us. That's extreme. That's extreme. And you can defriend someone on Facebook, but God will never defriend you. Even if you hate him, even if you blame him, you can let, God doesn't cause all these circumstances in our life, but they do come to us, and God will use them if you let him and don't resist it. Number two is our finances. I've been refined through finances. When we were out of college, I became a youth pastor, and man, it was tough. We had years of just trying to make it work and Bonnie getting another job and, you know, just trying to just make it through the way. I remember one time I, I said to Bonnie, we can't pay this bill. We don't have any money. And it's like, what are we supposed to do? And, and we're like, well, do you think there's really a God? We're like, I, I hope so. Let's pray. I remember we got down on our knees by the bed and we just said, God, we don't know what to do. We're doing everything. We'll obey you. We'll give us another job. Show us what we need. And, and we prayed and we left it with God. And, you know, nothing happened. No $100 bills fell out of the ceiling. I was like looking around. Nothing. Well, the next day, we opened the mail and her like great aunt or grandma or I don't even remember. It was like, sent us a check. It, it had already been in the mail before we prayed, right? It was in there the next day. For like $2 million. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some, some of you just fainted right there. Come back, come back, come back. <laughs> no, but it was several hundred dollars. And honestly, it made a difference for us for quite a while just because it let us catch up. I said, wow, we're praying tonight. Get on our knees. Let's pray tonight. Let's pray every night. That didn't, that didn't happen again in that same way, ever again. But I was refined to trust God. I've had many moments, you know, when you, when you do what we've done as a church all these years, and you remodel, you buy land, you build buildings, you trust God. You, you, you're always saying, God, it's up to you. I can't do this. It's, it's way beyond me. And it refines you. It refines your faith. It lets you trust. It lets you to depend on him. Money's neutral. Money is neutral. Money is not the root of all evil. What is the root of all evil? 
the love of money. And, and why is that? I think it's partly because money controls people. I believe it's also because money creates a false security upon which we can feel independent and have no need for God or for others. I'm set for life. Really? <laughs> really? A lot of people have thought that. <laughs> I was just talking to a guy about two weeks ago who was planning on retiring in this last month or two in this stock market. He, he can't retire now. He's like, this is crazy. I, my, you know, my 401k is just tanked and all this has happened. I don't know what else I can do. And so, some of you money managers are looking at me like, have him call me. I'll, 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 get, his, I'll get his portfolio balanced out. There can be challenges, but what does it do? It, it makes me depend on God. There's no amount of money. Now, it's always better if you have more. Amen? But that's not always true either. I've watched people destroy their lives because they got more. I'm not kidding. It'd be nice to try that. We all would like to have a shot at it, but maybe we just say, it's all God's. Whether it's less or whether it's more, I trust God. I've been refined enough to know that I own nothing. I own nothing. It's all His. So I become a giver. I'm generous. Time, talent, treasure. Not just dollars. I, I become a person who lives a life being refined by giving my, my talents, working with my hands, by my time, by taking somebody somewhere, picking them up and, and taking them to that appointment. I become a person who is offering what I can offer. That's pleasing to God. That's generosity. I'll never forget a conversation. I was sitting with Dr. Dick Foth, who's on our teaching team. Awesome man. He's been a mentor of mine for over 30 years. And I, I just love that man, he and Ruth. And, and he has a lot of really high-powered friends in D.C., and he's, he's been a pastor to senators and presidents and stuff. He's, it's amazing. Anyway, I was out there with him in D.C., and we were sitting with John Ashcroft, who was our um, attorney at the time, our, our general attorney for America, and he, he, he said, we were talking about the letter of the law, and Dr. Ashcroft said, well, just always remember that the law calls you to the lowest and the least. In other words, if you go below this line, you'll go to jail. But it's but God calls us to the highest and the best. And there's a really big gap between the lowest and least and highest and best. Would you agree? You know, there's not a law that says you will be generous. No law. But God's law says we are to be the generous people. So, so don't hold too tightly. Money helps refine you to say, I don't, I don't own this, and I'm going to trust God. And living in that trust is very important, whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money or no money. Living in that trust will shape your life. And the last thing, we are refined through our experiences. And this is really true. Now, I will tell you that money and relationships, the two we just talked about, are, you, could, you can consider sometimes those are experiences. That's true. But there's some other things that are not about relationships and not about money that impact our life and refine us. Some of you have had jobs that refined you. 
You had a boss that was awful. Now, God wasn't trying to make him awful toward you or her awful toward you, but it was just the situation you were in. And, and God will use that situation, as unpleasant as it is, to help refine you. Pray harder. Whatever it is that God wants you to do. Um, our feelings about our value on this earth. You know, insecurity can push people to live an isolated life forever. Because Satan wants to take you out by your own self-talk about who you are in this world. And he will destroy you with that. He will destroy you with that. You just don't measure up. You just don't fit in this culture. You just can't. You can't. You can't. That's the enemy. It's everything he wants to do. Our health is a huge experience that has changed the trajectory of someone's life. I was diagnosed with boom. I didn't see that coming. I didn't choose it. I don't think God gave it to you. I think we live in a fallen world where cancer is a real thing. And you can get it. And it will impact you. And God might use it to refine you. It doesn't mean he put it in you. It just means it will refine you. What are you going to do? You're going to run toward God or away from God. Your choice. I've seen both. I've seen accidents that really change someone's life. They become a paraplegic. They become this or that. They have an issue. I, I was thinking of, of an Eric Weyenmeyer, who some of you maybe have heard of. He's an American athlete. He's an adventurer. When he was four years old, they discovered a, a disease in his eyes, and he started to go blind. He could see fine till he was four. And all of a sudden, everything got blurry. And over 10 years, over 10 years, he slowly lost his sight until when he was 14 years old, he completely was blind. And you know what he decided? Just to lay down, quit, never do anything again. No, guess what? He wanted to climb Mount Everest. And so he did. First blind guy to ever climb Everest. There's a picture of him. I can't imagine climbing Everest with ten eyes. <laughs> Where's that come from? Let me tell you something. You might say to me, well, you don't understand. I, I, I have this situation. I have God is refining you to become the best you. I want to be the best me I can be. God does have a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life with your pain, with your history, with your sorry, sorrow, with your divorce, with all the stuff that you have gone through. God has a purpose for your life, and he will use everything in your life to make you who he wants you to be. Let him. Let him. Open your heart. Open your mind to God and trust Him even in the hardships. He has a no barriers camp now. They're building one right now over in uh, near Redfeather. What can we do? How can we trust God? I want to I wrap up with this idea. One of the prophets, Jeremiah, really had a struggle because he had a message from God no one was listening ever been there? And there's this passage that, that says it well about this fire. 
It's, it's a fire in your bones. And it means it's got to come out. And, and it says this. He says, Jeremiah stands up and he says, God's word is in my heart like a fire. A fire that is shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And I was thinking about this for you and for me and how we live our lives. And we're in a culture that's pushing on us and pushing on us and, and pounding against our Bible values every day. And it's so difficult and it's so hard. And I pray and I say, God, help me not to just live angry or frustrated. Show me how can I be salt? How can I be light? Because I never want to lose the fire in my bones. I never want to lose this passion to walk in the truth that God has put in us. You guys, let's be believers who have this passion to obey God and to let love live truly even when it hurts, even when it's painful, and even when it costs us something. May we be that kind of a church. We will say, I'll never stop. Throw me in the fire. <laughs> I don't care. God is able. <laughs> and I'm going to trust him. I have a disease, but God is able. I had an accident. I can't do that anymore. But God is able. And God will use and spend my life at the level he chooses with what I have. And I offer it all. Let's pray. Lord, we offer it all. With heads bowed in here, I just, if you're watching online, I pray you'll just really take this seriously. It's a challenge a little bit. Some of you, you need the fire that purifies. Your mind, your heart, maybe it's bitterness. Maybe there's too much stuff on the grill and you need to turn the heat up and shut the lid. And you need the power of God to burn that out of you. He doesn't want you to hate. He doesn't want you to live with resentment in those relationships. Say, but you don't understand. No, I don't. You can control your end of the stick. You can't control theirs. So you might not be able to restore that relationship. That's not on you. But your future matters. And God's saying, do your side. Don't live stuck. And if you need to be refined, purified by fire, just tell God that right now where you are. Lord, that's me. Renew my mind, my heart. Secondly, it's a fire that changes my direction. It's, it's the Moses story. Some of you right now, you're at a crossroads in your life. And I, in praying about this this week, I literally had a moment where I think I have a message for some of you. If you're really at a crossroads, I don't mean where you're going to go to lunch today. I mean, honestly, like a big life decision. I, I want to say this to you. God knows that you're facing this crossroads. You can trust him but there might be a surprise. And don't be afraid. I don't think it's a bad surprise. Embrace it. Let it come to you and trust God in this. But let the fire, let the burning bush take you to a place you haven't been before and don't be afraid of that. And then lastly is, Lord, put a fire in our bones. Amen. Let's pray that together. God, not, not just a, a silliness, 
not just excitement for excitement's sake, but a deep conviction that is the fire of God in our soul that we can live a life of purity before you and be examples on this earth. Show us how. We say yes in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I really do. I'm praying for you every day. We're in it together. We call this our living room because we do talk about hard things in here. And we're a family. I want us to have just a reflection moment. You know, we don't take an offering where we pass the plate. But we've decided to kind of take a moment where we, we bring our gifts. We bring our offering. And I, I do this online. So it happens automatically in my world. So it's nice to have a moment where I think about that. And I pause, especially in a setting like this with corporate and other people to say, we bring this offering. So would you just close your eyes? Lord, we bring that offering, whether it's online, whether it's today in the box in the back, whether it's a talent that you're asking us or a deed that we want to do this week for somebody. We bring that as an offering in this moment to you. And we give it. We give it with joy. Thank you for this moment. In your name, amen.